Hello, everyone. I am Laurel McCarg, host of Alligator Preserves, and I have another very special guest with us all the way from Mother England. His name mm -hmm. is Santos Bromejo. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Santos, welcome to Alligator Preserves, and would you please introduce yourself to our audience? Who are you? Thank you very much for having me here today, Lauren. It is a real, please, really a pleasure to, to meet you face to face now. My so pleasure. yes, you, 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 you said very well my surname, no? Uh, Bermejo, no very English-speaking person can say the same way. So thank you very much. My name is Santos, C.S. Bermejo, originally from La Mancha in Spain, middle, Midlands in Spain, um, living now for about 10, 11 years in, in England, in England, where I'm married with a devoted wife, <laughs> so lucky, I am so lucky, two little children who I adore, uh, and they make us crazy as well. Um, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher, language teacher, and as per my degree as well, sometimes I am lucky to be able to teach some philosophy. Wonderful. So I have to know why... You grew up in España and now you're in England. Why England? Why did you land there? I don't know. It should be destiny, I guess. It should be. I don't know. Definitely not because of the weather, I have to say. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I just left Spain looking for a new change in life about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Uh, I went to Ireland, a country that I that I really really uh, love. Uh, one thing led to another. I met my wife. We finally got married. Looking for a job, we found England, an interesting place. Um, lived for a few different years in the north of England and then down south where we are set now, uh, because we were looking for a little bit more warmer weather so we are living now in the south seven degrees warmer than the north of england liverpool where we used to live in the past all right well i would say come move to colorado but it's not necessarily warm oh no <laughs> interesting <laughs> but, it, but it's lovely and uh like you i enjoy change so i can understand that mm. i can understand change and moving and i think each change uh, teaches you something new and you learn more about yeah. yourself yeah but so, it keeps you on the toes it keeps you on the toes because you are learning constantly no and you are always challenged yes absolutely. from my experience at least oh no mine mine as well i i would mm -hmm. recommend it to anyone so we are going to talk today about your new book the medway tales now this is go ahead and hold up a copy of your book. You've got a copy. Yes, of the book. I yeah. have it yeah. with me here. Yeah, have it with me here. Now this the Medway might, Tales. This here might is. might look like a children's book, but I would mm -hmm. argue that it is a book for both children and adults. Would you agree? Hundred percent. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Uh, C.S. Lewis, no, someone who is quite more well-known than myself and many other 
he used to say very often, and you know, he used to write for little kids, also for teenagers, but always thinking in adults. He used to say things like, a children's book that cannot be enjoyed, but just for children, is not a very good children's book in the slightest. So, uh, yes, that's the aim of every children's book, is always thinking ahead and looking for different target people, which is the case of this, no? I agree. So you open with a couple of quotes. You quote Louis Pasteur and Bernard of Chartres. What, why, yeah. why those quotes? T tell us about those. Yes, uh, Louis Pasteur, the, the French a philosopher and chemistry as well, no? Uh, he, I, I opened this quote because for me is the key of this book, no? Uh, I, I read it out for you. Look, do not shelter your children from the difficulties of life. Rather, teach them how to overcome them. That, that is really my perspective of children's book. Uh, the way of provide the kids with some tools, strategies that will be able to, that will help them to manage and to to live in future life. Mm -hmm. That that for me is is a key of children's book. To, to overcome challenges and and change and the things that are difficult, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it's definitely no. You you know how difficult sometimes is being able to find our own place in society. So uh, literature, in this case, children or teenagers book, uh, is a way to find out those tools that will be able to help us to manage to be part of this society. So, yeah, for me, that was what I was trying to pretend uh, and intend with those, with those stories that I bring to the books. Provide good strategies for kids in order to navigate this so complex society. That's why I open with this. With this, right? And I'm sure you've heard about the whole woke culture, and and all that, and and mm. students now being very sensitive, almost almost wanting to be offended by things, and yes, everything being so difficult. Um, what's your thought on that? Uh, I am teacher. I'm teaching in secondary school, so I am constantly surrounded that by this sort of society, so affected, so offended sometimes, easily offended sometimes. What is my perspective? Uh, I, I need to write. I need to write, uh, and for me, it's a, a kind of therapy to be able to uh, get to know what's going on in in this kind of new society that for me is so difficult. So my, my, my views is trying to figure it out. Why is this happening? Why this kind of, of being offended uh, constantly for things that usually is, is sort of behavior and finding our way in our society. So yes, this kind of culture that you open, which is a big hot topic, uh, we, we need to reflect what's going on, why, so that we can move on forward and we can provide strategies for them to to think about normally from the uh, social life perspective, we cannot forget that we are social uh, social human beings. No, mm -hmm. without the social part of it, we cannot be human. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm hoping that 
the pendulum, whatever way the pendulum has Goes. swung in the past, <laughs> yes, comes, comes back, and there's a little little more balance to to life and to our children. Mm. All right, so uh, read the quote from Bernard of Chartres. Let's go for this. Yes, we are like dwarfs on the shoulders of giants so that we can see more than they and things at greater uh, at greater distance. No, we can see things better than them and greater distance. And I think that is the answer to your question before. I, I think it's a very good answer to that um, because part of being offended, part of feeling that we are offended by many things is from my point of view, Uh, and my perspective is kind of not being so generous and grateful for people who's been in this world before us. And that is why I bring this quote to the book. I mean, uh, we are who we are, thanks to the people who came before us. And thanks to them, thanks to them, we've got culture, we've got ability of talking, ability of writing, ability of uh, reading comprehension. We, we can't see the world. So sometimes if we don't look back and we don't study and be merciful and grateful for what and who came before us, we cannot see forward. So I, I actually quite like the, the, the quote as the answer of your, of your question, no? because it's the way to be thankful for before so that this is who we are, not just me, the, the, the one who preceded me. Yes, yes. Uh, so I'm a former army officer, and it used to be one of one of the slogans for the army used to be "Be all mm. that you can be." And then all of a sudden, it became you know a, a, an army of one. Uh, everything became one, right? And you've got the the iPhone, the I everything, the I everything. It became our society became very self focused. And yep. I'm with I, you. Know, I think you know with. A lot of people complain about social media. I think it's brilliant that we we have the world at our fingertips. And here I am talking with you. You're in England. I'm in Colorado. I mean, how wonderful is this? So, yeah. so many incredibly great things uh, with technology. But, you know, the whole double-edged sword thing, kind of hard. hard and and at the on. same time, and at the same time, can we, we can be so individual at the same time, no? Using yeah. this magnificent tool to be connected and at the same time, Uh, I, I give you an example. Look, uh, like I said, I am secondary school teacher. Uh, in the past, I used to arrive to the lesson and everyone was messing around, chatting. And if I had to leave the lesson for whatever, the, the, the classroom for whatever reason, uh, I had to be very quick back. Otherwise, there will be almost a battle. Uh, now, now it's the opposite. When I arrive in the morning, everyone is quiet, focus on their phone looking at their at their at their media reels. If I leave the lesson, the, the lesson, the classroom, everyone is quiet because everyone goes to the to their phone and they are not interacting to each other face to face. So this is something to be thinking about. Yep. There is something that we're thinking about. Yes. It's a it's a big issue in schools. I, I used to teach as well in the public school system. And it's still a debate, still a big debate whether kids should It's have still a debate. telephones in school and you know, I telephones. <laughs> telephones is an old fashioned word, isn't it now? Yeah. <laughs> iPhones. Yeah, but it's it's true. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the social media, no, the social media, like you mentioned before, is an amazing tool that can be connecting people from everywhere. And at the same time, paradoxically can be isolating everyone from everyone else around them. 
Do you have the solution? Do you have the fix? I don't have solutions, but I need to write to think myself in this area. And that is the reason why I'm writing. That is my only reason I've been writing since I was 12. That was the moment I started writing. 12 years old, trying to find out why. Why are we this way? What, what is my place in this world? Uh, and how can we move forward? No, Try to synthesize what, what's going on. At age 12, you were in what? Sixth grade, seventh grade? Uh, yes, more or less. I remember. Yep. Septimo might be the sixth grade, according to the USA. Yep. Okay. But I mean, I cannot consider myself writing anything at that time, but I do remember that piece of writing. And it wa I was encouraged my ge by my geography teacher. He was the one who said, oh, uh, because I presented to him, no? I presented to him. Jose Manuel was the, the name of this, this teacher. And he read it, probably with zero quality of literature, probably. But he was so nice. He said, listen, there is room for improvement. Look at this. Look at that. Mention this. Change several things. You will make it better. I do remember that piece of writing. I do actually remember this piece of writing. And that was what bringing me into this kind of world of writing as a way of reflecting and as a way of understanding, as a way of uh, getting to know what's going on around me with my life. Did you keep a journal? I do keep a journal. Yep. You uh, still do? Used, I used to be very very much consistent day by day. Now, probably week by week, sometimes every two weeks, uh, sometimes a month. It depends. I used to be very consistent. The last 10 years, let's say I'm becoming older. I don't know. But I now am less consistent than I used to be. But yeah, it's part of me. It's part of me to keep uh, a kind of reflection of what's going on in the day. For, for me, it was my fifth grade teacher she would take us on field trips out into the mm. field, literally out into the grass and have us lie down in the grass and look through the blades of grass and see what we could see, observe, and then lie on our backs and, and look at the clouds and then write poetry. And oh, I, nice. I still have that poetry book from fifth grade. And it's kind of silly, but I mean, she made me believe in my ability to write and different ways of looking at nature and things and, and how we're all part of it. It was really wonderful. And then my journaling was in high school when I was miserable. I used, I used my journal as, as a, a free shrink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, but this, that is, that is, that is what makes you reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very helpful. Oh, that's so, so nice. So fables. Right, your stories remind me of of Aesop's fables. Do you remember any from your childhood? W were you read stories, or did you read stories? Do you remember any fables from your youth that stuck with you? So many, so many. Yes, you mentioned Aesop. That that for me was 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 one of the the main uh, important uh, fables I read. But uh, at the same time, I remember all the classics, uh, tales, fairy tales. I do remember uh, when I grew a little bit older into teenagers' life, all the, the, the books for, for, that, for that age, you know, the, the famous five, you know, all the series. 
uh, many Spanish literature uh, came from fables, no? La Fontaine from France, no? So, yes, fables, as well as every kind of children's story, uh, I, I read them, and you know what? I still read them. I don't know if that's good or not, but I still read them because I like, and also because I like to read them to my kids now. I've got two little kids, so I like to read them, even if they are classics, even if they have been written for 200 years, I still do that. I, I wouldn't say I'm proud or not. I wouldn't say that. I just do it because I do like reading this kind of, of literature. No, I, th I think that's wonderful. I was trying to remember if my mom or dad ever read to me as a young girl. And I, I don't think they did, probably because I was the fourth out of five girls. And I don't think they had any time <laughs> to read yeah. fables. They were yeah, enjoying no enjoying their wine and scotch in the living room mm. at the end of a work day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I do remember, and I, I guess I read them myself, you know, Aesop's fables and you know, the, the, the tortoise of the hare, the boy who cried oh. wolf, the ant and the grasshopper. One of them, though, made me, made me think about your tales, which we'll get to, um, the fox and the sour grapes. I was thinking about that recently. You know, the fox is trying to get this beautiful bunch of grapes and he can't reach them, right? Just keeps trying mm -hmm. and, and he fails. And so, it's, you know, instead of saying, you know, I, I can't do it. I can't. He, he decides that the grapes were sour, right? Yeah. So they are green. They are green. <laughs> they're green. And so I was thinking, is that is is it bad that you know we shouldn't call sour grapes? Or was that a good way of um kind of dealing with failure? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, it I would say think, so. Yeah, it made me think that you could look at the morals in a couple different ways. Mm, yeah, and and one thing, uh, and one thing as well. No, I I follow you, and I agree with you hundred percent. But also there is one more thing that nowadays we don't like morals very much. No, this cultural don't like morals. However, there is a Spanish writer. He wrote. He's uh, one of the best in this area. No, I don't know how well known is about the world. Uh, Juan Ramon who wrote Platero and I, Platero and I, that was a little donkey. I don't know how famous is that. Uh, so he used to criticize very much La Fontaine and Aesop for the morals. However, he ended up writing all his books to children with morals. And he said one thing, he said one thing, uh, like convey all the meaning. I don't criticize really the morals. What I do criticize is when someone tries to lead the life of little children. Morals, for example, for me, no, when I look at certain ways of writing morals, they are not leading the, the way of thinking. They are giving different ideas how to manage the thinking. Hmm? Mm -hmm. And this is what actually I like the most about fables. They are not telling us what to think. They are not telling us what to do. Like you said about the fox and the and the grapes, uh, is actually a way of dealing with failure, or is actually a way of convincing myself that, you know, they are not telling us what is the solution. They are not leading us in the way of thinking. They are giving a possibility, and that's why I love fables using animals. And they are giving the possibility of think what might be myself in that situation. Yes. Yes. So you you have 
seven beautiful stories. And you have some very interesting characters in there, some interesting animals and even raindrops. We'll talk about that. Oh, yeah. The raindrops yes. too. But <laughs> tell me about um, your, your love of hyenas or you have hyenas <laughs> in two stories. In two stories, and okay. one is in a good way, and the other one is in the other way. Yeah. So, why why did you pick the hyena? Okay, um, the hyena story. Let, let me tell you what is the background of that. Uh, I remember one night. Yeah, one night coming from work, I passed through Lidl, the shopping center. I bought something very late. The shopping center was near the train station. I was on my way home. After a full day of working, Friday evening, and I see three middle-aged ladies coming towards the train station. Obviously, because I live near London, uh, I knew, and they looked like very, very well-dressed. They looked like they were coming to London to spend the whole weekend, or at least evening, the, the Friday night. So one of them gave me this kind of judgmental look. Uh, thinking, oh, look at this guy. He's with the shopping. He's with the truck suit in the way home. And look now us. Probably she didn't think about that, but that was my thinking of that look, right? And look at us, so fancy in our way to London to spend all night. And I was actually willing to go home because my wife on Friday, we have our own thing, which is we put the music on, open a wine, uh, cook some tapas and with the kids do some dancing and I actually love it. I, I actually like it, this. So I was on my way home probably look a little bit scruffy and they gave me this judgmental look and I was thinking to myself why? I mean I'm quite happy and I really enjoy what I'm going to do right now which is so simple go home, have a probably bottle of wine with my wife, dance with my kids a little bit um, for me it's like heaven that thing. I don't need to go to London all, all uh, you know, so that was the moment I was thinking, we have different expectations in life. And, and that lady, or at least what I thought that lady was thinking of me, uh, doesn't know that this little thing is what actually made me be extremely happy. So the following day was Saturday, wake up in the morning when the kids were sleeping, and I started uh, writing, what is the character that can be, uh, what animal can be look like this lady giving these judgmental looks. I, I, again, again, probably she didn't think about that. Probably I, I, I asked for forgiveness to her in case. I don't know her. and I didn't meet her anyway. No, But this hyena, because of the character of hyenas, gave me this judgmental look and I was able to, exactly, yeah, and was able to think, look, you are so fancy or you pretend to be so fancy with your scarf and so on. And you don't realize that I had everything that I uh, that I want, no? and that is the end of the of the fable, no? How the sur the, the meerkat is so happy with his life, so he doesn't need what the hyena can offer for him, no? That that is sort of kind of of thinking. I think that was wonderful, and yet in the end, when the hyena laughs, does she not realize that that is? what makes her special. I mean, that's what gets her the attention she's been looking for. What is inside. Yes. Yeah. That, that makes her unique. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have both the, the, Oh boy, this character is doing the wrong thing. And yet in the end, the character learns. So 
you know, I, I, I think that's wonderful. Out of the seven, do you have a favorite? I have a favorite, but there is a little bit tricky. My favorite is uh, the one written as a poetry, the little squirrel called Rita. Uh, but when I wrote it in Spanish, I have to say uh, that when I translated into English, because it's not my main language, I suffer very much. I suffer a lot. I didn't enjoy the translation, uh, but I do really love the the one in in, in Spanish. Huh? The one in Spanish, the, the all the poetry in Spanish. Huh? But yes. that is my favorite one because in Spanish sounds better for me than in English. But in English, uh, of course, no. The one who checked this uh, thought that is still as good as the other one. You know. And I would say that also along those lines, with you having the trouble with the with the translation and having it be as as good, um, your character discovers that even though she doesn't think she's communicating with the dove, mm-hmm. okay. she actually is. She and actually is exactly. Yeah, um, by perhaps being persistent in wanting yeah. to communicate. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the, this story came because of my kids. You know, the the background of this story is because uh, my kids we speak to them in in Spanish, and sometimes when we are on the street, uh, nobody want nobody else speaks Spanish but us. If they want to say something about someone, they speak to us in Spanish, and I wanted to teach the lesson that no matter what, it's rude to talk about someone else because. At the end of that, everyone understands there is a different language that is not the, the, the Spanish or the English or the French. No? The, the language is much more and should be uh, what you can show with your gesture, with your face, with your heart. So th- this story came for that reason, just to teach my kids, don't talk about anyone else, even though you are talking in a different language. And you don't know what other languages they might understand as you, well. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how, how old are your children? They are four and six, four and six. And you've you've read all these stories to them. Uh, they were they were my first fans uh, oh. because I read to them so many times. And when I was presented the the book in different parts of Spain, no, last summer, no, I went to Spain. I had a little tour in different cities. Uh, I was so lucky. I would present. I, I was able to present the book in different cities. Uh, they were helping me out because. They didn't know how to read at that time. So I was showing the audience that uh, the books were very well for kids because I was reading some part and they were finishing the sentences. And they helped me very much because they knew by memory without pretending doing it. No, it was randomly, but helped me to show that to the audience that the kids are very good for kids because it's a way of getting a good a good language. No, it's a good a very good use of language. Absolutely. Well, I have to talk about your your um, little rainy things story because that's about three little raindrops, and they're all in a cloud, and they yes. each have a different plan for where they're going to end up. Tell tell me a little bit about that story where where you got that idea because that one I I loved that one. I I like that one as well, uh, very much. I do like that one. 
Well, uh, like I said to you, you no, know, I study philosophy. Um, for me, uh, how how society is organized is a kind of something that I love. No, so uh, how to face how to face different difficulties in life is the way that will help us to understand how to navigate and, of course, how to act. Right. So these little drops are in the mountain, are in their their cloud. And they know that sooner or later they will need to go down. Hmm? So I try to reflect in three different attitudes when those kind of difficulties, or let's say your meaning in life, no, that is the meaning of the life, no, go go down is for a for a, a water drop. Uh, how different attitudes are, no? One of them with a parachute. She wanted to be in control all the time. No, and this is the way we react as human. This is how social human beings are. Uh, one of them wanted to control where she was going to be, no, in a in a big pond with friends because she wanted to be surrounded by friends. And the other one, who is called not randomly uh, cielo, no sky in Spanish, it's actually Latin, no? Celeste. Uh, she's the one who say, "Listen, I am a water drop." Uh, I fully trust that I've been created for things, so I'm not going to prepare anything. I just go, and I hope I will be back again, because this is our nature. And she goes that way. No? I don't spoil the end, because the end, I don't want to spoil it. Actually, I like you know, the way the, the this tale finished. But this is mainly what I wanted you, to, what I wanted myself to to, to think about. You no, know? the three different. Uh, ways of facing your own reality from the social perspective of humanity. And again, you don't preach this is the way you should be. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is that's why fables help us to think very much because they are not giving us the solution. They are helping us to reflect. No more than that. Yeah. No more. Oh, than I that. love it. So uh, near the, I think it's somewhere in your book, maybe near the end. You have, you say, narrative is the most sublime way to gaze upon the world, understand reality, and explain life. Talk a little yeah. more about that. So this is, for me, like the most precise way of, of explaining why do I write? Why do I write? Um, for example, when, when, when I write a story, when it come out at the end, uh, before that, I might have probably spent plenty of papers, one, let's say, 10 pieces of papers, another draft somewhere, uh, an audio on my phone. So, so many ways of thinking. And at the end, 600 words history come out, no? Only. So the, the, way, the, the way it is, is like the narrative is the way for me to make the effort to sing. Listen, I'm thinking so many things around the way when I'm working, when I, when I am with my family, when I'm walking, uh, when I'm doing a sport because I am a sporty person, I do love. Uh, so I have so many ideas, but at some time I need to comply and concise all my way of thinking in a story, in a narrative. Uh, that, that's why it's a way of approaching reality. And probably this 600 words tale is made after months of reflection, uh, drafts, paper, ideas, 
uh, uh, audios on my on my phone, but I need to make the effort of synthesize that. Otherwise, I am lost in so many ideas. I need to synthesize in a way. So that, that's why that's the quote. That's the quote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's wonderful, and it, it reminded me of um, American theoretical physicist Richard Feynman. Who uh, look, look him up. He's a he was a great believer in learning through observing, observing observation. And, oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Really, really fascinating. Tell me, tell us about the illustrations in your illustrator. Hmm. Because uh, the illustrations are, are when when you see them, you think children's book because they're vivid and bright and beautiful and fun. Hmm. But, yeah. The, I really love. I mean, I have no credits about the illustration. Uh, Luis Tomás Quintanar, Luis Tomás, he's the illustrator. He's amazing. Uh, once we were chatting about because he does other stuff as well. And at some point, I was writing another sort of uh, literature. I was writing for adults, sort of uh, short stories. And once we had a conversation, say, look, I have these stories. I, there is a, a common sense about them. He said, oh, do you want to? Do you want me to give it a, a, a go? Let's see how it's going on. So he tried one story, and with the picture, with the illustration that he showed me, uh, I could see how the story improved massively. So straight away, I came back to him and said, Luisto, listen, uh, do you mind to carry on with the same style? Because uh, I do love my writing. Of course, I do love it. But the illustration is actually implementing it massively because it's helping the the understanding, the the, the comprehension, and also and a second and a second thing that I think he did very well, which is uh, giving the possibility of little children to be focusing little details that sometimes in the reading we are not able to look. So they are so bright, they are so beautiful. Um, this illustrator, Luis Tomás, is actually one of the best I have ever seen uh, around, and I've been working with dif- different people. Uh, I-, I have nothing else to say, but I am so impressed by by his work. I am so impressed by that. Show In us. fact, we are working now together. Oh yes, let me yeah. show you some pictures. Yeah. Oh, they're, so they're that, that's why we are working now again together. No, because I I asking you with a new project. So this is. Mr. Egg is one of them, for example. <laughs> no, Mr. Egg, I like this character, Mr. Egg. I do so too. there are six different pictures about this Mr. Egg mm-hmm. improving the story mm-hmm. and helping out with the illustration. The 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 best pictures I like actually are these ones, the the drops, no, the, the drops. water drops. Yes. Yeah. Really yeah. are amazing the way the three of them are chatting, talking. Uh, Oh, the ants, the water eddies. This mm-hmm. picture, I think, is a Gorgeous. massive piece of art. It's a piece of art, really. Uh, pr- pr- probably the quality that you can see are not exactly like this. But for example, this one is, is really can go to the to the wall of a house. No? So yeah, there are so many, and also it's six six per per tail. So it's helping very much. In improving the quality of the story, attending to details, giving better comprehension, better ability to understand it. So, really much appreciate this, that this guy, his work, and that's why we are working together again. I am Good. so happy now with the new project with him. With oh, him. that's that is wonderful to know. They are absolutely gorgeous. 
Santos, where can people find your work? Uh, so everywhere, I would say, but uh, this is what Amazon nowadays is doing for us, which is spreading the world uh, all around. So this book is in Amazon, obviously, which is always the easiest, especially when we are talking from a different uh, countries. It's been published in England. Uh, but yes, I could see that people in, in the USA has been taking, has uh, been buying them because Amazon is spreading. So Amazon or any other online platform is, is very is very handy. Can be found in different formats like Kindle, like uh, paperback or hard copy. The hard copy is a really good piece of work. The one, not the designer who's been working on that. I have to say they've done an amazing job in the in the hard copy, uh, and also it's audiobook as well. No? Uh, the, the the one, no, the the actress who did the audiobook because obviously I didn't do it, uh, but the one who did it was an he did an amazing job. I actually I actually has the the copy myself as well, so that the kids can listen at the same time are reading and watching the. I highly recommend the, the audiobook. I highly recommend it. It's very nice okay. and very and the, well. And the Spanish version of your book is available also? The Spanish version of the book is as well, because it was published with a traditional editorial, hmm? published editorial. So it's in many libraries, but in Spain, obviously, many libraries in Spain. And of course, it's as well in every online platform, obviously, in, in Amazon. There is oh. now, will be soon, uh, in it in Italian as well, the Italian version, the French version, and the German version. I expect it to be in a couple of weeks' time. Hmm? These yeah. these three other versions. I'm quite happy with that. And we hope we can find them in bookstores right next to books of a- Aesop's Fables. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, yes, yes. <laughs> Santos C.S. Bermejo. Um, what else would you like our listeners to know? This has been a wonderful visit. What else? Uh, the, the thing I would like to tell them is I hope you can enjoy that and I hope you can bring me some feedback because actually is what helps me the most. Uh, I've got good uh, good comments and sometimes because it is easy to reach me out through the book via uh, my media or, or or my email. And one thing that I enjoy the most is some stories that came up to me from someone who be helped by one of those stories. No? Uh, I give you the example of Pilar. Pilar was a lady. Uh, she was deciding something in life. I don't know. I cannot share that online. Mm-hmm. But she was deciding something important for her. And she dropped me a, a, an email and she explained to me, actually, I said, that is what made my work worth it. So she was deciding that thing. She wrote, uh, she read one of these stories, especially the Water Edis, and she said, listen, I read this. That made me help, uh, uh, help me to make my mind in this different thing that I wanted to say. So this story, for example, helped me a lot. And I have a couple of more stories like that. So what I want to, everyone to know, that read is important. Read this is very important. And giving feedback to the author is as well very important because giving us a possibility to move forward to the next stage. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Oh, my goodness. You will send me some pictures and um, links to where you you might um, want people to find you. And 
Santos, this has been delightful. Thank you for taking the time all the way from across the ocean to chat with me today. Mm. And listeners, um, get get his book. His books, you have more than one. And uh, I maybe will do this again when your next one comes out. Yeah, uh, it's been delightful for me. So thank you very much. It's been really pleased to to meet you. Very pleased to meet you, and very pleased to having me to to enjoy this moment with you. Absolutely. My pleasure. You enjoy the rest of your week and life and writing experiences. All righty. Take care, Santos. Take care. Thank you very much, Lauren. Thank you. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at Amazon.com.